Father God, we thank you for the things you have given and the life that is ours in you. We thank you, Father, for giving us kin that goes, uh, family that goes beyond kin. And we thank you, Father, that you have allowed for us to know that those who are related to you through the Christ are family. Regardless of what divides us in this life, regardless of the things that cause us irritation with each other, regardless of the things that cause us to question each other, we know that the grace that you have extended us through the cross of Christ makes us one. We thank you, Father, for a worldwide family. And we pray, Father, for those Christians around the world that are worshiping with you today, that are drinking your cup of sacrifice, that are communing with you, that are being faithful to you. And I thank you, Father, for those that are here in this room that even through hard times are remaining faithful to you. As we take a look into your word this morning, Father, we pray that you will speak to us through your word and through your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How are we doing back there, Houston? Cool. That's where we are. I told you, if you wanted to hear the second half, you had to have me back, right? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you wanted to hear it again. Wonderful thing. We've been talking about, last time we were here, we were talking about Paul's life and seeing the doors that God opened up in his life and to see the things that Paul was able to do through the Spirit to help move the gospel forward. Now, there are many doors that were open for Paul, and we're still not going to cover them all today. We're going to just touch the high points. And, as I told you last time, those first ones were... Uh, This was way back at the end of June, so I've got to make sure that you're refreshed. By the way, you're going to look up here and you're going to see these little things that that look like uh, you're supposed to fill in the blank, right? And you probably didn't get a fill in the blank sheet. Um, That's because Tyler was blessed with the opportunity to go away with her family and to spend time with them. And we were blessed to actually finally make it here, (laughs) long after the planned time originally, and I did not get with her to get the bulletin notes done. But you may have picked up that blank sheet that was out there. And if you did, just write the whole thing down. It'll be up there long enough for you to get it. But you'll notice what those things are because you'll see that little underline, all right? But what we talked about is that God called Paul and God calls each one of us. Now, Paul's call and our call 
It's the same call. It is the call to accept the grace of God that was expressed through the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's the only way to get to God. Amen? It's through the cross of Christ. So, his call was not necessarily unique. Now, his assignments were unique to him. Our assignments, your assignments, are unique to you. Now, we are all ministers in the body of Christ. And in fact, you have a message that someone else needs to hear. And they need to hear it from your life and from your unique perspective as to what took you to the throne of grace. My assignment's different from yours, but our call is exactly the same. What makes Paul's ministry unique is how he followed that call. The second door, that moment when we move from practicing religion into living in a relationship with our Father. When we move away from doing things just out of habit or out of rote or because it's just simply what we do. Do you have things that you do that way? When you get up in the morning, what do you do? I bet you do virtually the same thing every time. The first time your feet hit the floor, you probably do exactly the same thing. If uh, you're putting on your clothes, you probably put your right hand in first or your left hand in first, whichever. If you're putting on pants, you always put the same one in first, right? You probably drink the same cup of coffee. You probably eat the same cereal unless it gets a little cool and then it becomes oatmeal or grits. You guys know grits? Or should I just say cream of wheat? Would that be better? Okay. But as long as it's cold, what? You go into that routine. There's nothing wrong with routine. It's only that we can't put God on autopilot. He doesn't put us on autopilot. So let's make sure we don't put him on autopilot. We need to be in a relationship, not just practicing by rote. Realizing that God is a living being who wants to communicate with us. Amen? Amen. The third one, clarity leading to obedience. When we come to clarity, we realize That we're following a living, all-powerful God that demands something of us and that leads us into obedience. And you know, if you have to do that because you're commanded, then do it, okay? But if you realize grace, you realize that burden that you had has been lifted. You realize that you didn't deserve it. And somehow God took it away from you anyway. It's a whole lot easier to do anything he would ask you to do. When you realize the mercy that's been extended. You want to build that relationship? Remember your baptism 
remember that relationship quality and renew it every day. Then the O word comes so much lighter to us. We notice that Paul over in Acts 9, as we're kind of skimming Acts 9, I told you last time just to skim through there. I'm not going to read it all to you. But that's his conversion experience. After Paul's baptism, Paul saw, spent several days with the disciples there in Damascus, and at once. What does that mean, at once? What's that mean? Immediately, right then. When he came to clarity, what came out of his mouth? Jesus Christ. Not Jesus the heretic, but Jesus the Lord. He preached in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God. Over in Galatians 1.16, we read there that Paul says he didn't waste any time going to start preaching even to the Gentiles because that's what he knew God had called him to do. And he spent three years between Arabia and Damascus printing to the Gentiles and before the Jews, before going to Jerusalem and meeting there with the other apostles. And it's all because he came to clarity. When we come to clarity about what it is that God demands of us, it leads us to obedience. The fourth door, here we do, here we go, on to today. That fourth door that God opened for Paul is he gave, we see Paul's getting ready to leave for his second missionary trip. Now, the beginning of Acts 15 is what? It's that Jerusalem council, right? So after that council, when they determined that, yes, you and I are acceptable to God because Christ died for who? Everyone. Yes. Paul leaves to go on his second missionary trip. And in uh, 16 verse 6, we get this. Paul and his companions, companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. You know where that is? That's the southeast area of Asia Minor. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. In other words, they stayed to the east, not being allowed, prevented from moving directly west. And when they went kind of north, they came to the town of Mycenae, where they tried to enter Bithynia, the region up there. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. By the way, did Paul just say two different things or did he just say the same thing two different ways? The Holy Spirit kept him from preaching. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. Has he said the same thing or has he said two different things? I think I heard it. How many gods do we worship? One. How does he show himself? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And yet he is 
one. Eternally, constitutionally, one. You want to ask me to explain that someday? I will tell you, I can't do that. That is a mystery. But you know what's an even greater mystery? That God himself, in the form of what we call spirit, is is willing to be in my life in such a way as to be one with him. And he can do that with you too. If you will let him in. Because he will give you the gift of himself. I told you this was a great day. And it's a great day because God is in it. He is here. Reading on. So, they passed by Mycenae. And they went down to Troas, which is on the west coast of Asia Minor. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, a little bit further west, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. God called them. What about the Spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Were they not directing his path as well? And as God, as he came to clarity, what did he do? He followed God. He followed the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of truth. God's guidance is a marvelous thing. Now, we look over in Acts 9. We have Ananias there. Ananias is the gentleman who came and brought Paul into the faith. He baptized him. In fact, what we hear is Ananias says in verse 17 of Acts 9, he says, God has sent me to you so that you can receive your sight And that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what it says next? It says, Ananias prayed, touched him, scales fell from his eyes. And what did Paul do? Before he did anything else, what did he do? He got up and what? And was baptized. And when he was baptized, what happened? Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Acts 2, 38. What, what, what happened? And God gave him the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? So it's right there. We know exactly when Paul received the Spirit. Now, as you look through Acts, there are 14 different places where it says that somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit. And on that day, Paul joined the likes of John the Baptist and his parents and Jesus, and the apostles. Peter, and the disciples who were praying for him when Peter and John were were in prison. 
The seven Grecian Jews who we call the deacons were also mentioned as being full of the Spirit. And Barnabas, Cornelius, specifically Stephen. In each one of those cases, all 14 places where we see and somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know the reason why? It was to move the gospel forward. Do you know why you have the Holy Spirit family? Do you know why? Yeah, it's a seal for your eternal promise. Absolutely. But you know what it's for? It's for you to move the gospel forward. Just like it was for those Christians of the first century. In each case, the gospel was being moved forward It's a simple principle. It applies even today. If you want to feel the Spirit's presence, people talk about that a lot, right? You ever been in a place and somebody said, oh, that place was just filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you go to another place and they say, oh, the Spirit didn't even show up that day. By the way, I always wonder when Christians say that, I wonder, well, why didn't you take him with you? But the process is really simple. If you want to feel that spirit and the guidance and the assurance that comes from it, all you have to do is move the gospel forward. And I guarantee you, you will feel the presence of the Lord. In fact, even small steps of moving the gospel forward will bring confirmation. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit's equipping the saints. You've heard of spiritual gifts, right? Paul talks about it. Uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit and all. Do you know why they're there? It says the edification and the building up of the body. And you know what I tend to think when I hear that? Oh, that's for us. That's so we can encourage each other. Yeah, that's part of it. But do you realize that building up the body means growing the body? Right? So it's both. It's for us to help encourage each other, but it's for us to move the gospel forward. We can do that individually. We are going to do that collectively. I will help you learn to do that. I will help encourage you where you are already doing that. And we will do it as a group. We will be a team of Christians that are making new Christians. You and I. Why? Because God's Spirit is here. Why? So we can move the gospel forward. Yeah. Friend, fellow Christian, you have an indwelling of the Spirit. And I want to tell you, that is the normal condition for a Christian. Okay? You really want to feel that fullness? 
Join him in what he is already doing around you. And I am absolutely confident you will experience God in a way that you've never felt before. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself when I'm talking about joining him in, some, in where he is already working around us. Um, you ladies are going to have a wonderful opportunity come September. September 12th, in fact, there is going to be a series that you are going to be doing called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. That's going to start September 13th. It will be with the women's uh, Bible study, both in the morning and in the evening. Do you realize that doesn't give you much of an excuse for not showing up? Well, I have things to do in the evening. Are you free in the morning? I have to go to work. When do you get off? And guys, I hate to tell you this, but they're shaming us. We're going to have to get together and do some study. I'm willing to do that if you are. I've even done that at 7 a.m. And there's nothing but sheer unadulterated love that gets me to do a Bible study at 7 a.m. But if that's what's available for you, then we'll set it for 7 a.m. But our ladies are going to be starting a study on Monday the 13th. And um, I want you to look for Carol and Gina I know the sign-ups are already mentioned. I think they started that last week. But sign up. Be a part of it. I can guarantee you, you will find it worthwhile. And I will tell you that the ladies have graciously allowed me to do a, a little series on that process that God uses to call us so that all of us can benefit from that study, even if you're not able to to be there. But if you go to the study, you'll get it a lot more in detail. It'll be way worth it. And I want to remind you that you have access to the same spirit that Paul had, that Peter had, that Stephen had, that John the Baptist had, and that Jesus had because he indwells you. God has opened that door for every one of us. Experiencing God in our life is vital for it helps us to develop confidence in Christ. Confidence that Jesus is who he said he is. Worked for Paul, yes. Confidence that God will provide if Paul and if we are obedient. Confidence that God is going to keep his word. You remember over in Acts 23, 9, Paul is in jail. He's in Jerusalem. And God comes to him and says, don't sweat it. You're going to go to Rome. And he did. After three shipwrecks and multiple beatings and a stoning, he made it to Rome. In other words... Our confidence is built on experiencing God in our life. You want to grow as a Christian? Grow closer to God. You want to grow more as a Christian? Be obedient. Let fear fade away. And let the presence of God speak through your life.
Have you ever experienced God showing up in your life? You ever experienced his grace, his blessing, his protection, his healing? Maybe physically, maybe spiritually? What about his equipping for ministry and the overflooding assurance that comes from that when you, when you are faithful to tell others? Because it's interesting because when we step out to join him in the work he's already doing, his presence becomes a, a tangible existence. There was a Sunday night in August of 1999. We're at the Lilburn Christian Church, and that summer, the elders had determined that men of the congregation, individuals with no experience and no reason to be standing up except we were told to and we agreed to, and that Sunday night, I preached for the first time since I left college almost 20 years earlier. And that night, I felt this overwhelming rush. I I can't really describe it to you. But I felt this, this assurance that just filled me. I knew God was telling me, this is what you're supposed to be doing. But I tell you, that didn't happen. Until I stepped up and said, yes, I'll do this. It'd be another two years before I would leave a work-a-day job in the natural gas industry. And we would go to Emmanuel. And you know what? That didn't happen until I stepped out and went up to talk to the admissions director. And when I did that... Everything fell in place. The financials and everything happened. And over that that one day, all of the walls came down. That didn't mean it was easy. I tell you, going to school when you're old, that's hard. But God saw us through it. And he has been taking down walls ever since. Every time Joy and I, try our best to help other people understand the grace that we've gotten, we see God's hand leading us. But you see, nothing happened until I stepped out in faith. Now, I know how we are because I'm just like you. We all want upfront assurance, yes? We all want to know that, well, if I do this, everything's going to be right. Everything's going to be okay. And lots of times, God's just sitting here going, I can work if you'll move, but as long as you're standing there, I'm still waiting for you to move. See, God in this sense is is almost like a coach, like a mentor. You know what a good coach does? A good coach rewards effort, not potential. Chew on that one a little bit. What has God been calling you to do that demands that you step out in faith? And what is holding you back 
And what can you do today to take that next step towards what you already know he wants you to do? The last door, the sixth door we're going to talk about today is God opened up a slightly different door, but it's one that's available to all of us as we grow closer to him and what we want aligns more and more with what he wants. He gives us this. He gives us a burning heart for people, especially for lost people. Paul not only realized how lost he was in religion, but how lost God's people were. Over in Romans, we we read this. Part of chapter 9, part of chapter 10. I'm just going to kind of lump them together. Paul says, So we say that the Gentiles, who were not trying to put themselves right with God, were put right with God through what? Through faith. While God's people, who were seeking a law that would put them right with God, did not find it. And why not? Because they did not depend on faith, but on what they, their religion, the rote practice, showing up, getting their ticket punched. They were relying on religion, not relationship. And so they stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is a reference to Christ. Skipping down a bit. My brothers and sisters, how I wish with all my heart that my own people might be saved. How I pray to God for them. I can assure you that they are deeply devoted to God. But their devotion is not based on true knowledge. They have not known the way in which God puts people right with himself. And instead... They have tried to set up their own way. That's religion. Religion is man's trying to get to God. And so they did not submit themselves to God's way of putting people right. They couldn't believe that it was simple enough to put their faith in the one true Messiah. And that God would take away all of their sin and acquit them, hold them not guilty. It's almost too simple, isn't it? And yet it's a marvelous thing. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying, my people have pursued God through religion, trying to find their own way, and all he wants is a relationship But that relationship is on his terms, not on ours. And the Gentiles found that relationship through the Christ, through the Messiah. And that same relationship is available to my people if they will just pursue God on his terms. Which is the only way any of us 
can be made right through the cross of Christ. But you hear Paul's broken heart. Just a few verses before in chapter 9, he said this. He said, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish. For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. I know some of you have a lot of compassion for hurting people. You have a lot of compassion for people who are not part of the family. But let me ask you, are you at the point where you would give up your salvation so somebody else can be saved? Do you hear that's what Paul's saying? Do you hear how deep his heart breaks for those who need to be part of the kingdom? Friends, we need to be broken that way. I wonder if this is why some Christians will go their whole life and they'll never really bring anybody to Christ. Oh, they might affect some of their kids, but they never really reach out and make it a priority to talk about the one who saved them. Because they never really develop the sense of passion. They never really are broken to a point of a sense of urgency about the people that are the closest to them. Friend, are you one of the majority of Christians in this country that will never even try to bring somebody into the kingdom? Where are you today? Which of these doors that we've talked about that that God is open, are you having trouble walking through? Is Is it the door of developing a burning heart for people? Are are you at a place where you, you need to allow Jesus to form your heart? to allow the Spirit to soften you and to make your heart more like the heart of God? Maybe you are lacking confidence in Christ because you lack experience with God that comes from trusting Him and stepping out and trusting Him fully. Why not put Him to the test? You remember what he said back in Malachi? Test me in this. Bring me your life and see if I won't provide all of your needs. He's there talking about tithing. That's the way we normally think about it. 
But do you ever stop to think that your tithe is your coin life? When you got money, how did you get that money? You probably worked for it. Yes. Now, there are other times and other ways. But you realize you put your life into and you gave up strength and experience and skill for that money, which means it represents your life. That's what he's talking about in Malachi. You give your life to me. Don't hold back and see how I will bless you. Maybe it's this door that you're stuck in front of is is trusting God to lead you through his spirit. And again, I'll tell you that you won't know how he will lead you until you are willing to follow. Until you're willing to step out and do what he says. And as you step out to follow God, friend, I tell you, he will bless it. Maybe it's you're still seeking clarity. Maybe that's what it is. As to who Jesus is and who God is. And you can't quite walk through the door of obedience yet. I expect you're probably not alone. There's a lot of people that look at Christ and look at Christ and examine it and have a hard time just reaching that point of commitment. So don't don't feel like you're alone and don't go away. Come right back here next week. Or better yet, if you're one of our ladies, join the ladies Bible study. I guarantee you that will make a difference in your understanding. But keep reading. Keep searching. Jesus himself said that God will reveal himself to those who earnestly seek him. But you need to be honest, okay? Be honest. If you know what to do, and you simply are not doing it. Your problem is not a clarity issue. Your problem is a disobedience issue. Be honest about that. And change it today. Maybe you're stopped in front of this door. Maybe you are still trying to earn your way into heaven. Friend, just just stop trying to be good enough because I want to tell you, you'll never be good enough. You know how I know? Because I'm not good enough. Without the blood of Christ, I'm heinous in the sight of God. None of us are going to be good enough without the blood of Christ. And I think that's the whole point. We need a Savior. Romans 3.23, what's it say? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life, which is found where? In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes. We have to develop a relationship and we have to trust the cross to bring us 
salvation. Or maybe, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here. Now this one's easy. Because you know today that you've been called, just like Paul, just like all other Christians. And that God loves you. And that God wants a relationship with you. And he is calling you to join his family. Today. He died an earthly death on a Roman cross so that you may live eternally with him. Father, we thank you for that grace. We thank you for the life of Paul. It's people like Peter and Paul, Lord, that as we read and we see the depths of their heart and we see how it can be fickle or we can see misguided devotion. And yet, Father, we know that when clarity is there, they adjusted to the truth. And we thank you, Father, for that truth and for their example. We thank you most of all for your son and for his willingness to die on the cross for us. And we thank you that today the blood of the cross is still changing lives. May it change us as we seek to follow you and grow your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.